Deli Alli. Here's Lucas Moura. Oh, they've done it! Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Plus Dave podcast, the Tottenham Hotspur theme show brought to you by a team of Spurs fans and a Leeds fan called Dave. We are on episode 32. It is Monday night and we are slap bang in the middle of two massive games in Spurs season. We've just had the result at Anfield, the one all draw, and we are looking ahead to the North London derby at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in a couple of days. So we are going to be talking about both of those today. And I have three guests with me today to help me do that. One of which has made every single episode so far, as he is very quick to point out at every opportunity, and that is Elio. Elio, welcome back for another week. Big week this week, isn't it? Very big week. I mean, it's episode 32 of the Elio show, so huge week. <laughs> it could be, and I, I, I don't obviously don't want it to be, but it could be our last relevant episode, really, because depending on what happened next week... You, you cut that out. <laughs> you, you shut up. Get I out. I said could be. I'm, I'm, I'm being, if I'm being negative, then we're going to get a result. Isn't that how it works? Anyway, we'll, we'll get back onto that. We've got plenty of time to talk about that. We uh, aren't positive or negative. We are just... <laughs> we are just are. We just are. We just are. Uh, I'd like to welcome Matt Dave as well for another, another episode. He missed last week, but he's back and he assures me that he has at least watched the highlights. Not particularly keen to talk about football, I imagine, but he's joined us nonetheless. How are you doing, Dave? I've heard that a quick podcast is a good <laughs> podcast. Oh, yeah. So uh, if we could wrap this up quickly... And leave me to my wine yeah. and my darkness. That'd be great. <laughs> you obviously didn't hear that from one of our listeners. Um, right. Well, we'll see how we, we can do, but I'll make no promises for you there, Dave. And finally, and last but not least, I would, it's my pleasure to introduce a recurring guest, but I'm actually making his first official start as a Plus Day podcaster. Any, many of our listeners who have been with us for a long time might remember the odd cameo appearance from our man behind the scenes, our producer, our editor, our all-round extraordinaire Petros, who I might occasionally refer to as Smeech. So if I interchange between those, I apologise, Petros. Welcome to the Plus Day podcast and your first official start. How are you looking forward to your day? Good. I hope uh, it doesn't go the way of Danny Rose, where it starts out with a really great debut and then just goes <laughs> steadily downhill from there. I was just about to say, actually, it is the Arsenal one, so you could be the Danny Rose, but I'm not really sure that is a good thing. Now you put it like that. Um, I feel just said an immediate is... need to interject, and this may be a recurring <laughs> theme over the next hour or so. But while so. while I love to have a go at Danny Rose, I feel like that is a wholly inaccurate description of Danny Rose's Spurs career. <laughs> well, let's hope that your debut is as good as Danny Rose's anyway. Let's let's put it that way. Um, well, look, while Elio was very, very rude there and interrupted your introduction after you've been waiting so patiently, um, you've been a Spurs fan for a long time, obviously, and you've actually known Elio longer than even Joe and Dave. You've known him as long as I have, I'm, I'm sorry to say. So um, can you just give a, a, a cleaned up account of your experience of watching Spurs with Elio over the years for our listeners? Because I'm sure they'd love to hear. I think the best way to describe it would be watching a human have a heart attack in slow motion. I have no follow-up questions. I'm going to leave that right there and I'm going to move on with the show. So on today's show, as I said, we're going to look back at the Liverpool game and feel not the worst result, all things considered. We probably would have taken it and we're going to look ahead to the Arsenal game. But first of all, let's get on to Liverpool. And Elio, I'm going to start with you. We watched the game together. The game plan worked, I think, is probably the summary, isn't it? The game plan did extent. work. I mean, I don't, I don't remember Liverpool having much of a chance all that. Their goal was a massively deflected goal from a pot shot from long range. And we actually did have good chances to score. Mm. I know that Klopp can't coach this kind of football, in his words, but maybe he should because it made his side the worst team a few days ago. There you go. There you go. So Dave, you've watched the highlights of Spurs-Liverpool. Anything to take away from that? I mean, it wouldn't have killed you to watch the game. No, it wouldn't have killed me. 
um, other games have killed me this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you're but, excused. Uh, I disagree with Elio. Yeah. I mean, mainstream media disagrees with Elio because I just watched the highlight and the majority of them were Liverpool chances and then Hugo Lloris saved. So there now, you go. Now, you're opening a can of worms here, Dave, because there were a few things that were left out of the highlights. I watched Sky Sports highlights and they neglected to include the chance at the end where Hoiberg had basically a free header on goal where he had the chance to square across to, who was Elio? Was it Kane or Son? Who was basically was unmarked? It was Kane, yeah. That wasn't in the highlight, curiously. Neither was Fabinho's, um, shall we say, Assault. assault. I think there's no other word to, way to put it, is there, really, on, on Son? But we'll, we'll get on to that. Um, so, sorry, a lot, a lot to so cover Liverpool's there, Liverpool's chances, though, were they yeah. getting behind our defence and testing our goalkeeper with unmissable chances, or were they just great shots from difficult opportunities which required great saves? Because there's a difference between hitting a great long shot or having the ball on the penalty spot with a goal to aim at. Well, I can um, tell you yeah. for free, they had a lower XG than us. And as we all know, XG is the be-all and end-all football. So we deserve to win the game. Right? <laughs> yeah, can't argue with that. Exactly. I think just Smith, general, what was your but... favourite part of the game? And you're not allowed to say the goal because that's too easy. Did you have a favourite moment? Something in the lead-up to the goal count. Yeah, I remember you were quite impressed with Kane's involvement in that, weren't you? Yeah, it was just like, it, it just there are so many players who would have taken that. He was on the, like, I think about 25 yards out with a pretty clear shot on goal. A lot mm. of lesser players, let's call them, would have, like, taken a crack at it and gone full Didier Zakora and smacked it into Rosie. There was this, just he just had this moment where he just, like, he just has an IQ of 10,000 when it comes to football. Just mm. knows exactly where to place the ball. Uh, we've seen it time and time again in recent weeks where, He's just had the perfect header that has gone halfway across the pitch somehow, uh, or he's done a he's done a cross from halfway across the pitch to Son, and the way those two link up is incredible. And he's just he's completely unselfish in the way he plays, and it just it just felt like he just knew exactly how to tear their defense apart without breaking a sweat and it was it was beautiful mm. to watch yeah i think most players a lot of players would have shot and i certainly expected him to shoot it was yeah, a me disguise pass out to sessignon who uh put the ball in can't take anything away from his squaring to son for the goal one of the few good things he did though wasn't his best game was it elio sessignon i mean i'd been highly critical of him before that admittedly i think i also have to mitigate the criticisms I did make of him in play, most of which were about his on-the-ball work with, actually, I don't remember seeing much of Salah that much, so Sessignon no. must have done something right, uh, yeah. as well as Ben Long Davies. Davies so, yeah, so, yeah I, I, I was critical of Sessignon on the ball. Um, I did, did find that he was reacting. He, that's the thing. Physically, he's got everything you'd want. We know technically he's got a lot of what you need as well. You don't score that many goals even in the championship if you don't. But mm. mentality, I do question him because because he seems to react late for everything. He seems to yeah. he seems to be outdone by slower players than him. He seems to miss sort of passes where you need to do more than just stretch your legs. And I, I am critical of that. But it was a very composed, very nice pass in for the assist. And maybe those previous criticisms are symptomatic of talking about someone low on confidence and I'm um, being a bit harsh mm. on a kid. Who knows? It wouldn't be the first time. But yeah, like I said, I mitigate those criticisms with the fact that Salah wasn't up to much which must have mean that he did something right yeah it all comes down to decision making doesn't it you're always saying how most of football is played in the head and that's the difference we talked about Kane and making that decision to play it out to him on the wing and then you know so many times he was just a little bit slow to react mm. I did see a tweet that made me laugh someone posted on Twitter saying this is Mohamed Salah's heat map for the game and it was just a picture of Sessegnon with his pocket covered in a heat map so that was quite funny um Dave you were talking about the Liverpool goal you saw the highlights of uh, what has to be described as a bit of a fluke anything to say about that really I mean not much the wicked deflection wasn't yeah. it and uh you know um 
Who's it? Ben Davies that uh, deflections off. Benton oh, I think it was on Benton Co. Yeah, it was Benton Co. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, I think. Uh, well, it's just really unlucky that, isn't it? I mean, there's it not is. much more you can say about it. Um, I think what I what I'll say though, and I was saying this to Eddie at the time, is that they had a lot of shots, <laughs> and it's all good and well, obviously reducing them to long shots and half chances. And as I said, their xG was low, but I was saying, wasn't I, Eddie? It was almost clairvoyance from me in the moment. It was one of those things where I was like, oh god, I, I cursed it, didn't I? I was just saying, you know, one of these is just going to deflect in any minute now because they kept on having shots and that was basically the game plan because we pat the box that is the issue with a game plan that is by by the nature of how it is going to invite pressure because it is going to increase the risk of misfortune let's call it um if you if you have 10 percent shots against you then one will go in uh i guess more yeah. averages and yeah. i guess as i was alluding to before with dave in that yes i think the game plan worked and we did work better because all of liverpool's chances were sort of 10 percent chances they have 10 of them one of them goes in so i i do think that there that there is an element of that listen klopp obviously came out and criticized it afterwards and i'm sure we're going to touch on that uh because it, it was a little bit unsavory and symptomatic uh, of something i actually described to him as before the match as well uh mm. where when uh, i was alluding to, he is not very magnanimous i think that that came home to roost a bit didn't it yeah we were talking about him the other day weren't we he's he's often quite charming and i think you can fall into the trap of thinking he's this this lovely gentleman but yeah he doesn't take defeat or uh, a missed missed result very well does he dave you were talking about klopp earlier not the biggest fan of him are you no I'm not. I just don't like him. I just don't trust him. He's you don't a, trust he's him. A kind, he's a kind of guy it, that, I, that, that, that maybe I'd sit, see in the tube and I'd look at him and go, not right. <laughs> Smee, you're an you excellent judge of character. What do you think of Jurgen Klopp? If you saw Jurgen Klopp in the tube, would you want to give him a smack? Um, well, one of those faces. having just spent the last like hour on the central line at rush <laughs> hour, I pretty much want to slap anyone who's on the tube at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that is very understandable. I just think, um, I just think that that level of com- competition at the top does bring out the worst in players, the worst in managers a lot of the time anyway. And uh, it's, it, I think a lot of rival fans looking at our manager would probably decry a lot of things that we love about it, him, the antics on the touchline and whatnot. But, exactly. but I think Klopp was really, really classless at the match and his comments about, I can't coach this kind of football, I can't play this way, um, apart from mm. being demonstrably false, which I will come to in a moment. Not what you expect someone to say they're being fair about things at the end of the day Mm. we're a worse team than liverpool that's undeniable liverpool have been incredible at home for a considerable period of time i think their last defeat at home was when fred flintstone was in nappies and we go there what does he want us to do just sort of open up and let them sort of waltz through us that's exactly what he wants us to do i mean yeah off like yeah just just off i mean uh, and apart from anything else him saying i cannot coach football like this all the blocking etc etc liverpool beat us in the champions league final in 2019 to give him his first trophy as liverpool manager by playing with less possession and counter-attacking and not creating any chances that game they had two shots on target we had eight shots on target we had 60 percent 61 percent possession they had 39 percent possession we played the game in their half and they counted against us so off Jürgen yeah. you you do coach that and you do do what it takes to win and that's what we were trying to do the other day so shove it up your ass eloquence is always it's uh pretty much nailed it on the head there Elio it's it just felt completely classless the way he, he responded to it and when I hear a manager say like I can't coach that I mean one that's that's okay cool story bro that's not maybe yeah. even if it's not your like 
coaching style at the end of the day that's what you've got to play against if you play attacking football expect somebody who's going to try and defend against kind of like yeah, it's not just us is it? it's not it's just us we just do it better than other teams it's not as we if we were well. hoofing the ball up hoping for knockdowns or anything like that we were trying to play through their press i mean i was on the edge of my seat every time we were trying to pass it out of defense and and beat their press which we actually did pretty well as well that's how we scored our goal as well i mean correct me if i'm wrong but wasn't it a glorious passing move that actually led to our goal beautiful pass from yeah, from Maurice into kane obviously great pass from kane into to Cessnion and uh, mm. a lovely ball across to to son it's not as if this was sort of hoofing it up for for john fashion to knock it down to robbie earl or something this was good football mm. and and the fact that he he's trying to cheapen what we did in very difficult circumstances, it, it, it just shows him to be a small, petty man. He also shouldn't have, it's like he shouldn't have expected it to happen as well. It's exactly the way we played against City and we won there. Great point. Two yeah. things. Should have seen One, it coming. First thing, I thought we agreed not to talk about passing out from defence. Mm-hmm. And two... <laughs> Took me a second. To put my boot in a bit further from on, on, in on clock. He's a bully. He is a bully. Mm. He's the kind of person that just gets what he wants. And when he doesn't get what he wants, he kind of does this kind of turn it on you, make it feel like you're the bad guy. But all the top um, managers uh, have done uh, that, though. I don't, they, they, I don't think they do Ferguson, it like that. Ferguson, Wenger, I don't think they do Mourinho. it like that. Head does it. Wenger, Wenger and Ferguson lose, lost it. They lost it mm. before. They got angry. This is passive I, aggressive, isn't it? He's almost like a he's almost like a cerebral assassin. <laughs> he, he, he's, he's, he's basically he's basically Triple H. He's gaslighting. That's what he's doing. <laughs> he is gaslighting other managers. Yeah. It's exactly. your fault. He's, my team couldn't well, score. He, he, yeah, but the worst part is he's not gaslighting other managers. He's gaslighting anybody who he thinks has wronged him. He's gaslighting mm. Des Kelly. He gaslights random people. He gaslights Frank, Frank Lampard. The media. Gas, I was about to say he gaslights mm. Frank Lampard, which is his only redeeming quality as far as I'm concerned. It's a bit of a theme actually recently because Jason Cundy came out on Talk Sport recently, didn't he? And was calling Villarreal a disgrace because they played defensively in the Champions League semi-final, even though their combined team costs about, Elio, you said about the same as Mohamed Salah's <laughs> wage. Um, I mean, why has this suddenly become a thing? Like, Is every team supposed to go out and try and attack and win every game 5-0? It's Gary Neville as well he tweeted about he tweeted Jurgen mm. Klopp's comments that, uh, supporting Jurgen Klopp saying this is why Conte could have never been Man United manager yeah, apart from like, the, like he wouldn't take him I mean Gary Neville you won the treble in the best counter-attacking team of all time so yeah. go fuck yourself he also promoted Diego Simeone for the Man United job he did great point great exactly um, in fairness to Klopp and uh, don't shoot me he did backtrack slightly on his comments he did say would I say it again no but it was just my feeling in the moment I couldn't respect Antonio well he could anyway. respect Antonio more by showing him some respect immediately after the in fucking the match <laughs> well look like- you mentioned the Champions League final and obviously it's been kind of turned on its head since then in terms of the balance of play but one thing that hasn't changed is the dodgy VAR decisions or the lack thereof as the case may be just because this came into my head now let's talk about the Fabinho elbow on Son Speech did you see this did you see the uh, the assault on human son that was conveniently left out of most highlight I, reel. I don't think there has been an assault on a South Korean that badly since the war. <laughs> you are on form today. Are you We're just coming here to make out, Elio please. seem more politically correct? Is that your job today? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Elio's swearing, swearing extra just because of that. Um, but no, in all seriousness, Dave, let's talk about that because you, you're the one who sent it to me in the first place, the slow motion replay and all of its glory. Why is that not even being looked at? Is it because it was a yellow card given? Because, I mean, the, the contrast is probably looking at Dallas's red card the, uh, the same weekend for you guys because yeah. that was a yellow that was upgraded to a red. So is there a difference there or is this just Liverpool getting lucky slash, dare I say, a little more than lucky? I think, unless I'm 
I'm reading it wrong and there isn't actually a good reason. I'm assuming the reason is because it wasn't picked up as a foul. Therefore, it doesn't come through. Uh, does, therefore, it doesn't get referred to VAR. But wasn't he booked? Ailings, Ailings, Ailings. Was he booked for it? I think he was booked for it. Elio, he was booked I for it. I don't know. He? I think Fabinho was booked eventually after his 9,000th I mean, foul. Yeah. Um, he should have had four yellows already by that point, which is I another think, issue altogether. I, have I mean, a feeling if he was that, booked for that mm. and it didn't get referred for a red card, for a possible red card and foul player, mm. then I don't know what the game is anymore. I have Home a advantage. feeling that the ref played advantage rather than awarding a free kick and then we squandered the advantage however we managed to but, but yeah but the ref should still pull it back if she if he thinks it's a challenge that's bad enough you can play advantage on a yellow card challenge that's true so for, no Fabinho was booked in the 80th minute so whenabouts was this challenge do you have any recollection of that Douglas? no idea no idea you're, you're grossly overestimating how much preparation I've done <laughs> for this Elio as usual and and as we've already said all um, evidence of it has been scorched from the face of Twitter <laughs> Yeah. So I can't Fa- tell you through any of the clips that I'd Fabinho. seen. Fabinho, he didn't even play. Fa- I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Fabinho was booked for that incident. So why it doesn't go to VAR and get upgraded for a red? It's well, that's, I'm that's... not going to wear the tinfoil hat here, but Jesus, <laughs> it, it does give mileage to tinfoil hat wearers should they want that mileage it, it didn't look like at all like it was one of those elbows this like oh i'm sorry i didn't mean to smack you like that i mean it wasn't mm. like a rock bottom on him or anything that but yeah. or anything like wwe or something but it definitely looked like he was like reaching out to like shove him aside and just really just went into him with an elbow like in a way that just felt like it didn't look deliberate to you no i mean it, it it looked deliberate but not in a like it wasn't like he like people's elbowed him basically. yeah i, I know <laughs> like, i know what you mean but it's that's not the requirement is it? I think. But yeah, but what I'm saying is, someone's it, face. It, 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 it also at the same at time. It also at the same time wasn't basically just like an accidental oop. You know, it was. Uh, it was an out of control challenge in that enda- yeah. endangered yeah. someone's safety. In fairness, he committed two fouls on Son in one go there because mm. there was the one on, on Son's legs with his legs, and there was the one on Son's face with his elbow. I mean, that was maybe not a straight red, but two yellows in one go there. Yeah, I think. I there's think there's it's, a whole um, Twitter thread out there somewhere called Live Var Paul. So it's absolutely <laughs> glorious, but I can't find it for some reason. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, just again, it's us. There's a handful of them, isn't there? So that doesn't surprise me. At all but we've managed to talk for about 20 minutes and we haven't really talked about how wonderful Son Hyun Min is yet which is a rarity because he's continued to be excellent and scored another goal his 20th goal of the season without penalties I might add which is closing in on most salaries he's actually scored more from open play um instantly he's actually got the most goals in open play of anyone in the Premier League for the last two seasons combined which is pretty commendable Smeech how brilliant is Hyun Min Son you can have the floor let's talk about him tell me about Hyun Min Son he's absolutely fantastic he has come the point man we always wanted him to be the guy you know that when you when you're playing the ball into the box and he's there it's going to end up in the back of the net Kane, there's a reason him and Kane have linked up for so many goals and now are the record holders when it comes yeah. to this they know each other's play perfectly and he's one of five or six Spurs players now who would more than 20 goals in a season in the Premier League. Um, right. And I believe that I believe that is Teddy Sheringham, Jürgen Klinsmann, Hyun Son, Harry Kane, and Gareth Bale. I that don't is, think there is another one. He's done his research, guys. I mean, Harry Kane's done it five times, but yeah, uh, was, only uh, Bale and Son have done it without penalties, or maybe without taking penalties. I saw something like that, but I saw the same yeah. stat as you. So, uh, it, either way, he just like it feels like every season he's just been getting better and better lately. He's not like uh, in his early 20s, but he still seems to be faster than pretty much every other player on the pitch. He may not have the insane creativity has but we're talking about comparing him to one of the 
I think, best English player who's ever lived. So it's 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 incredible the way he's been playing for us this season, last season. He really seems to love being at Spurs as well, because otherwise I'd be scared someone would try and take him for us. Yeah, you can't imagine him going, but I'm not going to fall into that trap because I felt that way about players before. You talk yourself into thinking that they just love yeah, the club so, so much. Yeah, um, Teddy Sheringham, young Bisman. Because they look happy <laughs> when they score, so you think, he's never leaving us. We've blown enough sunshine up Son's backside over the last few weeks, so we can move on from that. Elio, is there anyone else that stood out for you in terms of Spurs performers? Davies is a very easy shout. Without mm. him, we lose this game. In fact, all three centre-backs, but Davies in particular impressed me. Romero, uh, he somehow had a mid mixed bag and still played excellently, yeah. but he did make a, a couple of mistakes, which I, th- mm. I felt the commentary were unfairly focusing on as, as if they were regular things as opposed to he's up against uh, an incredible Liverpool yeah. size and under constant pressure. Dyer doesn't catch the eye as much as the other two, probably because he's the one that sits as opposed to Hounds, but I thought he was, again, excellent as well. But the player I'd really sort of single out is Emerson. I think he had yeah. by far his best game in a Spurs shirt. I think he was actually a threat going forward as well. I think, even alright, he still duffed a couple of crosses, but I think he was actually uh, getting into those positions and getting Liverpool pegged back really, really nicely. He had some really nice mm. interchanges down his flank. And from a defensive point of view as well, I thought he... he I remember maybe one mistake all match, but otherwise he, he had a really, really solid game. His kind of aggression and his confidence in ball winning was was really, really lovely to see. He, he looked a different player to the sort of low-confidence, jittery guy we saw a few months ago. And listen, he's still probably not the solution long term as we say about all our wing backs every time they have a good game unfortunately yeah. but he really does uh, deserve a bit of praise because mm. because he he doesn't get much and and he he played out of his skin i felt Absolutely. It's worth mentioning he was actually voted man of the match by the Spurs fans on the Spurs Twitter as well. Considering the bashing he normally gets on Twitter, it is quite surprising and uh, goes a long way to show how well he... Hoiberg, I thought, had a good game. He I think did. We talked a lot uh, about Benton Kerr, and I think, not for the first time recently, Hoiberg's probably been the standout in that midfield. I think that's fair. Um, I think more impressive given the fact that I, especially first half, I don't think Benton had a particularly great game. Uh, he he was a bit sloppy and he struggled a bit with Liverpool's frosty. I think uh, Hoibier really, really did have a great... I wish he didn't get such a nosebleed when he was in the opposition area because it's the second mm. week running where he's had the opportunity to do something great in a fortuitous attacking position and, and duffed oh, yeah. it up. Uh, but overall really really good game really if you told me that one one midfield was one of the best in the league and the other was a bit of a mismatch that its own fans had criticized it all season then i wouldn't have guessed that ours was the latter based on that performance from hoibier yeah yeah that's pretty fair in fact um, i think our most disappointing players were probably our two best players i know son scored the goal but in terms of overall play i think you. kane and son were probably our two worst players on the pitch <laughs> That's probably because they had were the to have a little dig at Son, didn't you? Had to have a little dig at Son. <laughs> I said Kane as well. Unbelievable. I, I was the standard saying, I, I, to which I, I we hold him and Son. Despite, despite, raving, despite mm. raving about uh, Son and Kane earlier, both of them, they were both involved with the goal, obviously. Son being the one who scored it. Otherwise, it felt like they weren't really involved in the rest of the play. I and mean, it just felt like, they, they, were, like it would, they would come alive for like five minutes here and there. But otherwise, there wasn't, mm. it wasn't the Harry Kane we've seen. I wouldn't even say it was that they weren't involved. I'd say it was more that things, especially for Kane, things just weren't particularly coming off. Kane, he he looked a little 
bit heavy. His his passing seemed a bit off key. He had a few really sort of uncane like first touches, and he's not actually been on great form lately uh, since he was on sparkling form. The last sort of three mm. four games, um, the, the couple of defeats, and even the win the other day against uh, against Leicester. He, he's not been on his best form. He's definitely had a little bit of a dip, uh, but he he's still producing in key moments, and that's what's important. That, that's the difference between a, a good player and a, and a world class player, though, isn't it? At the end of the day, it's somebody who when they're playing a bad game still it's yeah, a life. moment's all they need yeah exactly exactly um well look i think we've done justice to to that game we've we've talked fair amounts about the liverpool game great result i think it's probably safe to say that we would have all taken a one-all draw pre-match even if we are still not in the best position in the league um so i think we... feel disappointed by a one-all draw with arguably one of the best teams in the world exactly who haven't lost at home in about 20 years so yeah, yeah. exactly um anyway let's let's move on to the next next game is the big one it's the biggest game of the season i don't think we can really argue with that it's a game that should have happened a long time ago but thanks to some uh, some creative play from mr arteta it's been pushed down the road obviously we have to win it's that simple it's arsenal at home game that i'm going to that you're going to elio of course um dave you have the uh, misfortune of having most recently faced arsenal we were talking about this before we went on air you said um you gave us the great advice of making sure you kick the ball out properly when it comes back to your keeper but uh, mm-hmm. other than that what can you tell us about arsenal having seen them up close and personal for 90 minutes do you think Leeds just were really not at the races or is this a team Spurs need to be afraid of we lost 2-1 and we're Mm. third from bottom yeah, that tells um, the story, doesn't it? They played okay. They played um they played half decent football. We you know, it's not as if we were dominating for the first four minutes until until yeah. our keeper had a brain fart. We were we were up against it and it was obviously gonna be a long day. Um but nothing I saw uh on Sunday changed my opinion of what Arteta's arsenal currently is, which is yeah. flat track bully, decent play. Beat the beat the little teams, struggle mm. against the big teams. I mean, yeah, they've they've beaten they've beaten a out of sorts Chelsea. I mean, the other results that Chelsea have had recently pay testament to that. They got beat four yeah. one by Brentford for Christ's sake. Um, they beat Man United. Mm. Aren't even a football team anymore, really, are they? I mean, they got beat four <laughs> 0 by Brighton for Christ's sake. Um, but um, this is all going to come back to bite me. Bearing in mind that Leeds are playing Brighton and Brentford in the last two games <laughs> yeah. of the season. But whatever, let's live in the moment, on. Dave. We're live not talking moment. about Leeds. We're talking yeah. about Arsenal, and mm. Arsenal are. Exactly exactly the team that I thought they were before that game and they're still that team and they're a team that Spurs can absolutely beat mm. I don't see any reason why you can't beat them I think it's the fact that Spurs it finished as well the fact that it finished 2-1 after how it started it's probably a bit of a warning sign for them isn't it because I must admit I was yeah we won the second Elio. half 1-0 that, that counts Elio and I are watching it and I'm going to be honest we, we switched over we turned off at 2-0 because we were like I don't want to watch oh, I wish I lose 7-0 to Arsenal because it was it looked like it was going that way you have to admit it, it was looking ugly especially after well, the red always there's always the thing that when 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 there's a red card you know yeah. it can go one of two ways and usually it goes it goes away of the other team the, the defensive team that have lost a player tightening up and and then they concede less um mm-hmm. I, to be honest i didn't see the scoring i mean it was our literally our first shot on target our first shot full stop i think um that we scored with and there was a good five minute period um maybe a minute before and a few minutes after um where it was actually looking a bit tasty ultimately came to nothing i think we had a couple of quarter chances in the last in the last few mm-hmm. minutes but arsenal would arsenal 
we're comfortable. But Arsenal should be comfortable against us because we're third bottom yeah. and they're fourth top. Um, so I think um, I didn't learn much from that game uh, from an Arsenal perspective. Uh, yeah. And I still, from as far as you guys are concerned in this game that's on Thursday, Conte's got you guys playing good football. And as long as you play it and don't go all Spursy, then you'll win. Before I, I ask right. Elio I and right. Smeech their opinions on, on this, I just want to ask you quickly, and don't dwell on it too long because I know it's going to make you sad, but how worried are you? Because I, would, I don't feel it would be fair to, to ignore it completely. It's not looking great. Obviously, other results aren't going your way. How are you feeling about the whole might um, be a silly question? On a scale of one to ten... Yeah. I'm really worried. Is that all? You, is that all you're prepared to say? Yeah, I can move it along. Dave. I mean, it, it's it's almost ridiculous. And mm. and the bottom line of it is, we just have to get more points than Burnley over the next three games. And if we can't do that, then we don't deserve to be in the Premier League. I think I'm that's really with that. a very yeah. honest statement. I I asked you sort of pre-pods. Um, if is the pain either if you do go down, would it be amplified or would it would it be dimmed by the fact that you experienced it before? Um, I, I it's not something I can relate to. I'm I'm grateful for, but you've had a bit of time to mull over that question. What do you think? I've had some wine as well. I was quite removed from it, weirdly enough, when it happened in 2004 because I'd left Leeds the year before. Mm. I was at university. We went, The day we were relegated, I was on my own in on the fourth floor of Founders, Elia, in my room, just like quiet and silent really? in the dark, uh, just for like a few hours. And I kind of just dealt with it and then just moved on. And and it got worse um, two years later uh, when, we, when we went down again. Yeah. It was so I weird as like, well because one year later, you're in the playoff final and then a year after that you went oh, down man. again i was watching that playoff final with you in the student union i think yeah and... we were in medicine and i was very excited and it was utterly awful Dave, um, that's why that's up. why they keep saying they keep saying oh there's four cup finals left and i was like well i've seen leads in three cup finals and they've been shit <laughs> i mean that just that that could be said by most spurs fans mm-hmm. as well sadly but uh, let's yeah. revisit that question after the season and hopefully it will be irrelevant and you'll have yeah clawed your way above burnley so. hopefully that involves a spurs win over Burnley to well, help I mean, you on the way. Obviously, obviously that is that is something that you guys can do for me. Is- yeah. Right, Spurs Arsenal, the big one. That's the next game. That's this Thursday. Um, speech. I'm gonna come to you. Um, seeing as you're making your debut today, you've witnessed a lot of Spurs Arsenal games in your years suffering as a Spurs fan. What are your overarching emotions approaching the NLD year in year out what's your how do you approach the game in your mind is it fear is it excitement it is it has wavered so much since I was a kid since the Jerry Francis era kind of thing even even when they were like on top of the world we we still managed to somehow up them quite frequently um and yeah. we were basically like battling relegation at a very bad time to be a Spurs fan as uh, mm. as all of us know as time has gone on I think the first time we actually beat the first time I distinctly remember beating them like quite I think it was actually the first time we beat them not even just like quite badly but it was like when we won 5-1 against in 2008 in was it? Yeah, on yeah. the way to the Carling Cup. Yeah, on the, on the way to, uh, to be to to win the cup against Chelsea in the final. And uh, I I remember I, I, like th- like it was it was really because that felt like a turning point for me as a Spurs fan. Um, like that I really started to become really proud of the club again. Um, in a way that for years and years leading up to that, it had just been mid-table mediocrity and playing against Arsenal felt just like difficult. And it took us a long time to finish above them still in the Premier League. And so coming into recent years, even though we've been finishing above them and we've been beating them quite frequently in in the league and uh, and stuff like that there's always still that fear that like a fear that is more so than with any other club um that they're going to beat us 
because now we're the team that's kind of expected to win in a way that we weren't in the past. But in my brain, in my brain, I'm, we're still that Jerry Francis team a little bit. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, it's, yeah, there, no, it's, it's everything, isn't it? It's yeah. a hangover of the trauma of those days, thinking, oh God, how many goals are Arsenal going to bang in against us this week when Thierry Omri is bursting down the left wing or whatever it might be. Um, but then it's that combined with just the fact that it's Arsenal and you never want to lose yeah. no matter what the circumstances are. But it's all just compounded on top, isn't it? Anyway, it, can you ever enjoy the, the run-up to a North London derby or is it just pain all the way through for you until or unless we take the lead and win? I, I think you know the answer to that. <laughs> um, a very leading question for a reason. I think Petra sums up really, really well what a lot of Spurs fans of our generation feel because we were born just coming into the era where we were nowhere near them. I mean, Arsenal are a more successful and a bigger club than Spurs, unfortunately, yeah. even pre-Wenger. They, were, they, were, they had never played football before. They played some horrible Burnley George ball. Graham concoction. Uh, I say George Graham. I mean, it yeah. started before that. Uh, yeah. Jürgen Klopp um, would not have approved. Jürgen Klopp would not have approved, but, yeah. um, but they were a bigger, more successful club than us anyway however we were competitive we won more trophies than them we uh won uh in terms of cups anyway we won european trophies something that arsenal seem incapable of doing so so there was at least something we could crow about then the mid 90s hits and the alan sugar years post sort of flirtation with bankruptcy under Irving Scholar before that and all that frugality that came with it uh, just as the Premier League with money was rolling in we withdrew and we turned into this sort of muddling mid-table club while Arsenal made the decision of, of lifetime replaced uh, Bruce Rioch with Arsene Wenger and then had the best sort of decades in their history by far in terms of quality of football in terms of uh, success uh, on the pitch so, so it was painful and the fact that they beat us home and away every single bloody time didn't help either it's it's with most rivalries the underdog gets the odds win uh we just we just didn't and and that yeah. was really really rubbish um we got drawn with, with, kind of happy with um, it. well quite so so we I, I remember us beating them under when george graham was our manager uh it was i think a stephan everson handball and potentially a tim sherwood's winner or something like that a 2-1 win and then we didn't beat them again until that league cup game petros spoke about and then we didn't beat them again after that until uh, the danny rose game under harry redknapp in 2010 so that was essentially three wins not all in the league um about a decade apart against our biggest rivals i mean mm. th that is pain when when you're not a tiny <laughs> club when by that point by the time danny rose scored uh that goal um by the yeah. time we beat them 2-1 that night at white hart lane we had been finishing in the top five pretty much or top five or six pretty much every season for half decade at that point so, and yet we mm. still couldn't put a paw on this side that finished one place above us every time it never really that tide never really changed until then and then under Redknapp we got um another victory that wonderful victory uh with the last minute Kabul header um we yeah. we got uh obviously into the Pochettino I think uh, we beat them under AVB as well with um with lovely goals from Bale and Lennon I remember then then uh we we move on to sort of um the Pochettino era where we beat them as much as they beat us maybe more and and we start finishing above them as well which we have done five years in a row and now we're mm. at Thursday now at this we could lose and 
they finish above us mathematically from that point onwards and mm. all the little Arsenal fans come out with their scent tottering hems rubbish that they love to come out with. Yeah. And you know what? It's going to hurt. It will hurt. Yeah, that's not lying. But, and there is a but to that, and this isn't me trying to play down the rivalry. I hate them absolutely. And there's if if you told me that Spurs were going to have a rubbish season, finish 17th, and you get to choose just one of their wins, it would always be against Arsenal, obviously. But now that we've kind of turned that tide and we've been finishing above them and we've been beating them and we've had these wonderful moments, the Harry Kane goal from that ridiculous angle, the the dominant victories over them that we, we had under Pochettino, the, the, the Danny Rose moment, whatever, the loss to them won't hurt as much as it used to, even if it consigns us to fifth and then to fourth. And the win to them, even if it gets us within a point of them going into the last couple of games and makes it interesting, won't even feel quite as good as it has because, yeah, it's always lovely to do it. But I no longer feel so inferior to them i mean i don't mm. at all i think even if they finish above us this season we did it in 30 games they did it in 38 i think we're a better side than them and next yeah. season we'll finish above them it's not going to be tinged with the same extreme emotion of the past just because of the fact that we no longer have this massive chip on our shoulder that we had for so long because they were battering us left right and center i don't know if other spurs fans will agree or disagree this isn't me cheapening mm. our rivalry in the slightest i repeat i absolutely hate that club i abhor them i want their stadium to cave in and then to go into financial ruin and to get relegated down the leagues i would love them to go out of business quite frankly i have nothing but muck to say about that team and, and this is what he says when the when the cameras are on <laughs> however the emotions aren't as extreme one because i don't think like i've said repeatedly there's that much to cry about finishing fourth over fifth great one position that that that's a huge uh sort of uh point of pride isn't it and two i almost understand how arsenal fans used to feel about us when they're actually competing with man united for the title every year two i've seen us in a champions league final i was there i've seen us a challenge for a couple of league titles uh, i've seen us play this great football of the last few years there are more important things to me as a Spurs fan than beating Arsenal and finishing above Arsenal now. And that wasn't the case mm. when we were rubbish. That back then, yeah. beating Arsenal was the only thing that mattered in a season because you knew we were going to yeah. finish between 9th and 11th and not win anything. Now yeah, there are really much more important final. things. Exactly. Absolutely, so, yeah. And it's, it's, it's good of you to admit that because I, I think a lot of people would pretend that that's never been the case. But I think the thing with the rivalry, and Dave, I'm curious if you feel the same way when it comes to rivalries, but you remember the big wins more so than with other clubs. And yeah, you remember some of the losses too, but it's it's hard to get them out of your head. And there's always that thing of, oh, but remember that time when no one gave us a chance and we went and beat them or that time where out of nowhere we beat them 5-1. And it doesn't matter that it's completely different players because all that's going around in my head is form goes out the window in a derby, that old cliche, which we've seen evidence being actually quite accurate. And at times that is the case. So there's this feeling of anything can happen, which used to be the silver lining that gave me hope thinking, oh, maybe we'll actually put an upset. Now I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> anything can happen. We're probably favourite for this game i don't know how i feel about that it <laughs> makes me uh, a little bit nervous but i mean looking objectively at it dave i mean let's say spurs and arsenal were playing a two-legged game in the cup for example both in neutral grounds for argument's sake just to sanitize the experiment completely who wins that game if everyone's fit both teams at full strength and you don't have to give the answer you think we want just curious to get your thought Arteta's the manager conte's the manager yeah with the managers you have mm. and the players you've got then then tottenham win that game i, I can't see any other other result i mean you know i i've cursed you before before by saying you should beat Arsenal easily and then you got 
Yeah. So we'll, we'll, well give you a curse the, exemption. A strange, 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 strange game that one. Um, but um, you know, this should be different. You know, it's it's a Thursday night. It's under the lights. You know, mm. it's at your your stadium. I think you know. There's a. I, I just can't see anything else other than Spurs win. I'm sorry, Ooh, I cursed I don't like you again. That choice but of words. I do. I do know what you mean in terms of in terms of that kind of uh, Elia looking up to your rival and and really wanting to beat them as like the 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 one shining light of the season because the one shining light of our season so far is the what was it i think it was 28 seconds between leeds scoring their first goal <laughs> and their second goal against scum i mean we yeah. lost 4-2 but no one remembers Small victories that. you take them when because they're that because that, that 30 seconds of uh, of whatever of whatever carnage happened in that ground unbelievable um and uh, you know makes me sad thinking about that to be honest because that is literally mm. the best thing that's happened this season um but um but yeah i i, I think i think elliot is quite right to rise above it now and think that you know ultimately you got bigger fish to fry and yeah it'd be great mm. to beat them but it's not the end of the world if you don't it's Absolutely. a bit like and, when and the we thing mentioned is that... i can you, you we did spurs arsenal on this season and i rattled off sort of historic spurs arsenal things as if they happened that morning i know we beat arsenal as you last season where with the with the empty stadium maybe it's because i wasn't there as well that i don't remember it as well i know that we scored one goal where kane played through son and blasted it into the net i can't actually quite remember what the score was or who our other scores were as well last season for the life of me i just didn't don't care about that win last season as much as i care about the wins when mm. arsenal were top two and we were middle i just don't yeah. to emphasize the difference between arsenal over the period where we were not as good as them versus like spurs rather previously and where we are now since we last won the fa cup arsenal have won as many fa cups as we have won yeah that one hurts i heard that one. that one does hurt only because we were streets ahead of them before that and streets ahead yeah. of everybody we were by far the record holders yeah. in 1991 that was our thing wasn't it mm, that was i our grew thing. up on that philosophy that spurs were the fa cup yeah and that's not that right year ends in one you know it's, yeah. uh, it was a thing for us <laughs> i'm blaming You're you for that than you think <laughs> anyway, just talking about the importance of the game i mean you said you mentioned the stadium being empty last time and we had that win obviously i'm kind of outing myself as a bit of an armchair here in saying that it's been a long time since i've been to a north london derby um years in fact so i don't remember and in fact i don't even know i i've I've certainly not been to one at this stadium so i'm gonna ask you as a season ticket holder how is the atmosphere going to compare this thursday do you think to the rest of the season is it going to be a level above you think from what you've seen absolutely i mean this is the first game against arsenal in this stadium Oh, God, there are going to, yeah, there are going to be fat. We have not played Arsenal at home since 2017. Mm. Wembley doesn't God, count. Yeah. Wait, really? Yeah. So, yeah. Not at our own ground, yeah. We played them at Wembley, we Wembley a couple of times mm. and we played them behind closed doors, but we have not. Uh, right, this is the first yeah. time we're playing Arsenal in this stadium. It is going to be mm. bombastic on Thursday night. I mean, I sit in uh, the West End Upper, which is the part of the ground that doesn't sing, and I guarantee everyone yeah. around me will be absolutely kicking every ball and screaming bloody murder at every decision that goes our way and go- that goes against us even it's going yeah. to be at- it's going to be a cacophony 60,000 elios it, there will be uh, we can but hope it will it will be it will be rage it will be joy it will be emotional and let's just hope that it's a good feeling afterwards because as much as i say that in the greatest scheme of things it's not got the importance attached to it of yonder year it's still will yeah. in the moment feel like the most important day of my life in the <laughs> yeah. moment in the moment by the time i've 
fizzles out from the match and got home and mm. taken a big picture view, maybe slept on it. It's not going to uh, eat or or drive me the way it once upon a time did because like we've agreed bigger fish to fry. But in the moment, it's going to feel like life and death. I've seen a lot of tweets along the same lines in the last couple of weeks in the run up to this game, actually, which are I'm not entirely sure how I feel about them because they're a little bit judgmental and gatekeepery. But it's basically fans saying, right, only go to the North London Derby if you're going to support us properly. I don't want any tourists there. I want everyone on their feet singing and chanting. And I just couldn't help feeling that the few times I've sat in the upper end for, you know, Watford or Burnley or a game that isn't that important, nobody's singing. And I'm just curious to think, because I'm not a big chanter myself, as you know. I know you're not really. You just scream and shout abuse at people when they when they do things you don't like. Normally the referee. <laughs> Dave, what are you like at, at matches? When you're in the stadium, do you stand up and sing? Do you chant? Do you swear? Well, the problem is animated? the majority of the times that I end up being able to go are uh, London-based uh, games and I have to sneak in the home end. Uh, so oh, I am really, yeah. sitting on my hands and, oh no, Leeds have scored. Oh, <laughs> you know, uh, when in fact I'm absolutely delighted. And then and then they score and I'm like, I just I just follow the wave and just they stand up, so I stand up and don't say anything. <laughs> and they just assume that I've stood yeah. up because I'm cheering for a goal. Um, but when I, when I do get a chance to go to Ellen Road, I try and get seat in the cop it's obviously a lot more difficult difficult now uh funny mm. story actually my uh my uh, i took my wife to go see leeds uh at ellen road uh before she was my wife and she's still with me amazing um <laughs> uh she uh she uh i know she was my wife she was pregnant it was before we had kids uh okay. but anyway basically she was playing because her senses were heightened she were she was playing who's just farted the entire <laughs> the entire game uh, it, was like, it wasn't just the football just she was fine. smelling then that guy's just fine well the, the, to be honest, the, we were we were stinking out the whole ground. Yeah. I think we lost three 0 to I think it was the Jordan Rhodes inspired Blackburn in the championship. You know, it was it was real high quality. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was it was horrible. But yeah, I've seen Blackburn a lot. They were the first game I ever saw, and then the last game I ever saw at Ellen Road was the uh, was the Blackburn game when we won three two in the ninety fourth minute. So, which is the loudest it's been since AC Milan at home, which was the yeah. best atmosphere I've ever witnessed at a football ground. Uh, me and my mate Tom, who had the tickets, uh, we started the Gary Neville is a chant. Educational as well. It basically it basically went Gary Neville is is. Can we work the word cockwomble into that chant, or is it too many syllables? How would that one go? No, Ellie, I'll leave that one with you. Shall I? That's a different, different song. Maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. to the tune of Blockbuster by the Sweet. I won't make anyone try and sing it. I'll, I'll move things along. Well, look, everyone loves the White Stripes song Seven Nations Army" for football chants these days, don't they? So how about Neville is a cockwomble? There it is. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. I, I knew that wouldn't take you long, Ellie. Very good. Um, Petra, just a quick question: If you were a betting man, which I know you have been on the odd occasion here and there. What odds would it need to be to tempt you to put a bet on Spurs finishing four? I I really try not bet against Spurs in general, whether it's oh, for us to win like or them. It just it feels feels weird. It it, it it just doesn't feel right like doing that. If I were going to be yeah. odds wise for Spurs to finish, what would it take for me to put money down on it? I have the actual odds here, by the way, so I might hold you to this. It'd have to be like eleven. Uh, we must 11 be eleven to ten for the win, surely. No, yeah. I don't mean for the win. I mean to finish fourth. It has to be like eleven to one or something. I reckon eleven to one tenfold thing for me because I. I uh, it's I, not eleven I'm to just, one. I'm sorry to say. I'm just too scared to do something like that. And <laughs> well, I'm the guy who doesn't go to the bathroom because I'm convinced the other team will score. That is true. That is true. I've seen that, and that that is not pretty. Um, Spurs <laughs> are actually eleven to four to get into the top four, whereas Arsenal obviously are three to ten on stand. So uh, would would need slightly longer odds to tempt me. I have to say, but we'll we'll see how that goes. Maybe those 
those odds are a little bit better next week after that game. Well, look, that's more, more than enough on both of those games. I think we need to get into some challenge, Elio. Petros actually has a pretty good record of challenge, Elio. You did quite well the last time you were on, so I feel like Elio needs to teach you a lesson this week. I think he's been uh, he's been studying up and preparing extra hard for this one, so we'll see how it goes. Um, before we launch into challenge, Elio, just another quick shout out to all of our listeners and thanks again to everyone who's always tuning in every week. I know there's a lot of the same people coming back each week to to hear our ramblings, uh, and I know we're getting people listening from all over the world and a lot of countries. We recently had a new addition, and I'm hoping one of you remembers it because there was a Spurs player that came from that country. Uh, it was Poland, Poland, and it was Gregor Poland, Razziak. and it was Gregor Razziak. I mean, not the listener. It might have been. Probably, probably <laughs> won't. Yeah, I, I'm not. I don't think it was actually Gregor Razziak, but Gregor, if you're listening, let us know. Um, and you know what? If if it is you, we'll put you into Plus Dave. Let's leave it at that, shall we? Um, but if you do want to get in touch with us, where, whoever you are, whether you're an ex-player or otherwise, it's Plus Dave Podcast on Twitter and on Instagram, and you can email us at Plus Dave Podcast at gmail.com as well. We always love to hear from anybody who has anything to say about what we've discussed and anything about Spurs in general. Go mad with it. Have fun. Just come up with whatever you feel like. If it's not too offensive or abusive, we'll read it out. And even then, we might think about it. Anyway, on to Challenge Elio, which is our trivia round. So we're going to have a few questions now relating to Spurs or relating to general football. And the format of Challenge Elio, as the name suggests, is Elio versus everybody else in a matchup of Spurs trivial might. And Elio's got a pretty good record. He wins most of the time, but he is not unbeatable. A bit like Liverpool. You know? So we're going to get into the first question now. And for this round, Elio, I am going to give you a bit of a handicap. Because, as you have made abundantly clear, you are running away with Challenge Elio this year, and it's just not really fair anymore. I think we need to make it a little bit fairer on the other two, even if one of them is a Spurs fan. I'm going to give you a handicap, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to give the other two three lifelines. In in other words, they can get one of these wrong three times and still be in the game. You only have one. Didn't Petros run away with it last time he played? Why didn't he get a handicap in his favour? Well, in fairness, you you weren't actually in the game last time. It was uh, was me. You were the one asking the questions. He was, indeed. He was, indeed. And Elio, to that, I will quote you. No, I just want it to be fair. You know, I'm I'm a bit bit like Jurgen Klopp wanting wanting everyone to play free-flowing open football so they can cut him behind. Uh, Elio, uh, I'm going to quote you recently having said that you playing Challenge Elio is a little bit like Man City playing in the Swiss League. How do you feel about that, Dave? Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, I thought you were going to be offended. Um, I no, I mean it's a it's a it's a Spurs fan with a with a weird knowledge bank answering well, questions about Spurs better I'm, than a Leeds fan. <laughs> yeah, a Leeds fan and a Spurs fan is normally on the team, whether that's Joe or Petros yeah, or yeah. otherwise. And, and so, also, and also, yeah, not not that I'm saying that that Petros is in any way a poor substitution because he's not. You'd argue he's an upgrade. But well done for Joe <laughs> getting the Who Am I last uh, last week. Absolutely, that that's his second reason. Well. Who Am I? Mean, well. Absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely rinsed Elio. I mean, I'm yeah. surprised Elio's back <laughs> Oh, the feisty sport started and we haven't even I'm started. I'm going to find some pen paper. It. Bear with me. You know, Elio, will never let you back on the show again if you win. I'm aware of this. No. <laughs> He's, you're only here because it's a late birthday present, I think is what he said earlier. So, right, we are all ready to go. The first question it. is the Spurs question. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to give you guys three lifelines and Elio just the one. So, Elio, what that means is you can get one wrong, but only one wrong. I'm going to give you one false hit at this 
team. So what I would like you guys to do is to name the starting lineup the last time Spurs won at Anfield, which I am going to tell you for some help was in 2011, which is pretty ridiculous in itself. So that's the that's the team I'd like you guys to try and name. The starting 11, I should be clear. If you name a sub, I'll tell you if they were one of the subs, but you're not going to get the points for it. And you're going to go back and forth one off the other to try and name as many of that 11 as you can until you're out of lives. If you're on your last life and you name a sub, you're still in the game. Elio, since you've got the, the handicap, I'll let you have the first stab at this and name one of the starting 11 that day. Um, Do you think you could name most of it? I can name confident. And, and he wonders why we give him a handicap when he's this cocky. He scored a penalty for us that day, Luka Modric. Luka Modric Damn is it. correct. Well done. <laughs> was that your next guess, was it? Yeah. Okay, do you have a backup guess? Okay, Dave, do you want me to WhatsApp you? I mean, sure, but I'm just going to say go for it. So just go Dave, for it. Gareth Dave Bale. knows most of them. He's just giving you a chance because you're new. Gareth Bale. Gareth Bale is not there, I'm afraid. There's no Gareth Bale in that lineup. So you've lost a life because he's not on the bench either. So it's back over to Elio with another go. Ledley King. Ledley King did start that game very good. And it's back over to you guys with two lives remaining. Elio has one. Uh, Dave, I think that's, that's a good one. Go for it. Michael Dawson. Michael Dawson is correct. Partner in King in defence. Very good. The best, back over the to best Elio. defensive partnership in the history of the Premier League. I mean, it's up there with... No, Richard it's not. Ferdinand, it's Terry so Carvalho. far away from it, but whatever. I thought we covered this, Dave, but okay, it's fine. <laughs> Save it for another episode. Elio, name another player from that team. Our other goal scorer that day was Raphael van der Vaart. <laughs> it was indeed. Very good. So we have now named four of the starting 11 and none of the subs. It's back over to Dave and Petros. Who have we got? You have two wrong answers allowed, unless, of course, you name the bench and you've only got one left. Um, Who's your next this guess? Is, this is 11, 2011. Yeah, 11 years. 11 years ago. <laughs> yeah. So realistically before... I mean, I, I'm, I'm just thinking in my head here. Uh, I, I was in New York at the time. That might actually help. Yeah, actually. Um, Let's go for the first one. Yep, go on. Who's it going to be? Go for the first one. Yeah. Let's in, have in, it. That, in that last message. All right. Peter Crouch. Peter Crouch is correct. Very good. He was up front, which means it's back to Elio. Is there pressure on? He doesn't look nervous. Aaron Lennon. Aaron Lennon is correct. Started obviously on the right, and it's right back over to you guys. He's batting everything right back at you. Flawlessly. We have Crouch, Van der Vaart, Lennon, Modric, King, Dawson. Five left on the. I don't, know if, here. I don't know if he was in the first team yet. I'm going to be honest, guys. My money's on Elio. He started strong. Yeah, team. go for it. I, I think that might be right. Can I have yeah. your guest team, Dave? Yeah, give it a shot. Who are we going for? Let's go for Pascal Chimbonda. Pascal Chimbonda was not in that matchday squad. So you're down Who's to... Who's the right back, Elio? Who was the right back? down to one life. So it's over to Elio. Name one of the remaining five. Sandro. Sandro started in midfield alongside Nuka Modric. Very good. Another correct answer. Right back to you guys. The pressure's really on now. You can get this wrong and still be in the game, but then it's into sudden death. Are there any that you've sent to each other on WhatsApp that you've been saving up as Hail Marys, or are you completely in the dark? We've got two left backs and a goalie, that, in our guesses. I, I'd imagine both left backs probably didn't start, but you never know. I'm not giving you any clues because I've given you. Did Van der Vaart play it up front with Kraut? I can tell you no, Van der Vaart played in the number 10 role. Yeah, we played 4 4 1 1 back then. So only one striker. It looks like a 4 2 Van der Vaart, 3 1. Van der Vaart from what I've got, the one behind the one. It's the same well, it's thing. It's a 4 4 1 1. It's not the same thing. So we're looking so we're looking for a right back, a left back, and a left yeah. winger. You you need both fullbacks, you need a left winger, and that's it. Oh, and a goalkeeper. And a keeper. Okay, that just came through completely wrong. Do you have an idea who I just spelt there? Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, go for it. What, what did the autocorrect say? Uh, 
Um, Laryngitis. <laughs> crunch. Uh, Cranshaw. Cranshaw was actually on the bench. So that's them. So that's wrong. God no, damn it, it's, Nicole. Da- it's them down to their last life. It's they've down to their last had, life. They've had three incorrect answers. Yeah, but then you get a zero life. We've had we've this had is, one. This correct isn't answer. Super Mario Brothers for fuck's They have so. no lifelines. They have no lifelines left. If they name it's, a bench guy next, though, three they're strikes still in the game. Out earlier, you know the classic game. But if they name if they name situation. one of the players who was on the bench in their next guess, they're still in because I'm giving them. And the same applies for you, by the way, Leo, because I like to make the rules up as I go along. Well, I only need one more to win anyway. It was Danny Rose at left back. That's not strictly true, Elio, because you might still run out of lives before them. I don't think you will, but you might. And Danny Rose is correct. Very good. But wouldn't they still have to get... Wouldn't they still have to get... Credit credit to Dave. That was his first guess, and I thought that might be too early for him. You'd have to get them all wrong from now on, basically, and they'd have to get all of them. It wasn't my first guess. I'm not hopeful for you guys, but you're still technically in the game. Oh, yeah. It was after... after, after like Burnley. What's your next guess? Yeah, Dave, why... Well, if it's not too early for us, is it not too early for the other guy? For, uh... At right back. At right back. What? Um, what yeah, go what, for what that, do yeah. you What do you feel more confident about? That guy or that guy? This is great podcasting. I'm loving this. <laughs> Keep this coming, guys. This is great material. Um, We're adding an air of mystery to the podcast. This is why we need a producer to just mute, basically, like, the chat. <laughs> side. If it helps you guys, the other guy that you're talking about was recently signed and out on loan from the club at that point. So if it's who you think... Okay, let's, I, let's, let's, let's go for the I think you're then. saying, then it's not him. Let's go for the keeper then. Let's go for the goalie then. You you ask me to name a Leeds team from 2011. I won't get one. This is just kind of like when when I started to like peter out with watching football because I started to move to the states. So it's a little bit tricky. This is one win at Anfield in my lifetime, pretty much, or at least in my conscious memory. I think we beat them in the League Cup in 1999 in the quarters. That's the other one I remember. You've had plenty of time to think about your next answer, and you've had a bit of help from Elio as well. So I'm hoping I'm about to hear correct aren't. Surface. Who probably, probably, not. probably not, but we're going to go for Herelio Gomez. I'm sorry to say, Herelio Gomez was not in goal, nor was he on the bench that day, which means you are out. And Elio, can you name the goalkeeper that day and the rest of the team while you're there? Ian Walker. Yeah. The other two players were Kudicini. Kabul mm. and oh yeah Stephen Pina. The reason I remember this one in as much detail as I do is because I did actually see this freak. tweeted by someone the other day oh. ahead of our match against them. Uh, I'm going to hold my hands up and own that. I did see that tweeted the other day and I was, was very, very surprised to see no bail. I was very surprised to see Danny Rose when I knew he hadn't really broken in then. I was very surprised to see Kudicini and uh, it came to me. The rest of them were all fairly obvious but those three were surprises. I'm suddenly one wondering if I retweeted it on the Plus Dave account. <laughs> but if I had, then everyone should have seen, which means it's fair. But anyway, nonetheless... Well, you think I pay attention in, to you? In a, in a shock turn of events, Elio has won another game of Challenge Elio, despite having a handicap. So a very good performance. And I, think I wouldn't have won that without that actually seeing game. it the other day, though. Like, like fuck, would I have remembered that Pinar and Kudicini were in the... Nonetheless, I'm still impressed, even if you only saw it the other day. So moving on to the next question, which might be a bit more even, and there's no handicaps here, aside from the fact that it's two against one. This is the general football question, and we're going back to penalties. So we've done this a few times now, and if you haven't heard it before, basically, same before, back and forth, a go each, and just like sudden death penalties, if you get one wrong and the other one gets it right, then you lose. So this, perhaps slightly similar to a question I've asked in the past, in all truth, but I'm getting a bit lazy now in my old age, 32 episodes in and all that. So it's about young players. This question is along the lines of young goal scorers. And um, I was just thinking about how both Arsenal and Spurs have uh, pretty exciting young right wingers, about 21 at the moment, scoring a fair share of, of goals and assists. And I found a nice list courtesy of the infallible 
reliable source of football information that is Sport Bible. So you can complain to them if any of this is wrong. Of the 10 players with the most career goals for club and country by the age of 21. So we're talking about players that broke through really early here. Um, and as a bit of a clue, they all appear to be within the last sort of 30 years or so. So I don't know if that is just the truth as of all time or if they've got a cutoff point. But we're talking about players that we've all seen in our lifetimes, essentially. There's no Pele's and the likes in here. So, so that's uh, what you're going for. So most goals for club and country by the age of 21. I believe that includes the age of 21. How many did you All say nationalities. There and there are 10 on the list. And as I mentioned earlier, you guys will go back and forth one after the other to try and name someone who's on the list, take your penalty and see if you land and see if you score. Um, Elio, you went first last time. So I think it's only fair that we hand over. Is this to... sudden death again? This is sudden death again. So if you're lucky, it might be a quick one. Sudden death again. So can you guys... Petros and Dave, name a player who appears in the top 10 list of young goal scorers for club and country with the most goals by the age of 21 in their careers. Well, I mean, I think, I, I think, I think an obvious one, the greatest player of all time. Who is? I mean, uh, I know the answer, but... Sean Longstaff start this Twitter early. War. <laughs> ben Russell no, Costa is not on the list, I'm afraid. Um, talk about Darren Ann. Um... <laughs> Are you going to go for Messi? Dave. Dave, do you concur? Yeah, fine. Lionel Messi creeps in at number nine on the list. 51 goals in 140 games by the age of 20. Still ridiculous. I mean, it is ridiculous, but he was a bit of a slow starter when you compare it to what yeah, he ended pathetic. up as. Yeah, pathetic. Yeah, exactly. So it's over to Elio. Well, um, I don't need to remind you, Elio, that if the player you name isn't on this list, you've lost. Fair enough. So, Michael Owen? <laughs> you haven't lost. Michael Owen is number six on the list with 76 club and country with 156. So better than Messi at that age in terms of output back to you guys eight remain i mean didn't Take he score his shot. world cup goal at the age of 17 or something i think he was 18 yeah the dave, the goal. dave you're pointing robbie dave, fowler dave's going for robbie fowler is that your final answer sure he actually scored a load by the age of 23 as we established and that's probably where you got that one from but I was, I was how old say, was he when he had blonde hair how old was he when he had blonde hair i mean that was a 20 he's 22 when he went on his crazy phase <laughs> and he just couldn't stop scoring the, the, the goal line sniffing phase no i'm afraid robbie fowler is not on this list which cool. means Leo steps up to take the winning penalty this early on he's got eight to aim at I was going to say Robert Fowler myself so uh, what are you are you going to play it safe I tell you what he scored a lot as a teenager at club level I'm just wondering if he'd broken into his international team at that point as well and going pre-Premier League ever so slightly Alan Shearer Alan Shearer which is perhaps surprising there's no Alan Shearer that's a good guess the other guys are back in the game how many did you say Messi had scored by the age of by the age of 21 50 yeah it's 51 I mean these might be wrong for all I know these could be entirely wrong so you're looking for players who've scored 50 goals or more for For the club and country it might be by the time they turn 21 for all I know yeah I was going to say my most played hated player of all time yeah Yeah. (laughs) I think I know who that is Barrel Boy Wayne Rooney Wayne Rooney is number seven on this list with 66 in 212 games. That's a lot of games. but So it's back to Elio. And I'm now not convinced this list is entirely complete, but we, we work with what we've got. I give my sources so you can't blame. One Mr. Nazario de Lima, Ronaldo. The original Ronaldo tops the a frankly outrageous 167 game, <laughs> uh, sorry, goals in 185 games by the age of 21. Jesus. <laughs> It's disgusting, wow. isn't it? I think people forget how ridiculous. I mean, didn't he get forty in Holland or something? At the age I mean, he of had an amazing career. But... Have you seen Have you seen the Bobby Robson um, uh, documentary on Netflix? No, no. I'm assuming that he sounds like a heavily. rounded no, and that you need to yeah. sort yourselves out. 
Anybody who listens to this podcast, stop listening to this podcast (laughs) and watch that documentary. It's incredible, and it's also it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a Bobby Robson love letter to Ronaldo as well. Mm. It's brilliant, Dave. You know, no one's still listening at this point. Yeah, I was going to say. No, I mean one of my favorite players ever. Probably, I'd say him and Messi. So he was absolutely ridiculous. I think the fact that he, the fact that he had injuries so young and still basically had a career that ninety nine percent of footballers would have killed for, says it all does. So yeah, hundred and six. 67. A lot of them were at Cristiano in Brazil, which could say is cheating a little bit. PSV, and then I think he had a season at Barcelona when he was 20, where he scored something like 56 goals. And he was already in the Brazil team by that age as well, obviously. So yeah, 167 in 185. He was on the bench in the, in the 94 winning cup uh, final, wasn't he? He was in the squad, but he never came on, I don't think. Yeah, 98 proper tournament. Right, so sidetrack there. Uh, we're back to... We're back a level, even on penalties. Back to square one. Dave Petros, can I have another player, please? So we've had. Going to send you this one, Dave, and see if it, it might be a bit of a risky Rooney one. And Messi. What do you think? Meanwhile, Elio, do you have a guess? Oh, God. No idea. I no idea if that's right. Do you want to not go for it just yet? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> At the end, I'll ask you for the ones you wrote down that didn't get. Like Bob? I've got an idea. He's been around forever, but pretty sure he might still qualify. How old is he now? I don't think he's. If he's, he's 22, max. Fucking go for it. Mbappe. Kylian Mbappe is number four with 116 in 199. Good, good, good shout there, man. It's not good bad shout. either, is it? I mean, it's no Ronaldo. Fat Ronaldo, to be clear. The original Ronaldo. Fat Ronaldo. OG yeah. Ronaldo. The fat buck tooth OG. 167 in 185, yeah. fat man. Fat Ronaldo, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was still scoring at that rate when he was three stone overweight, so it says it all. Elio, pressure's back on you. Five of them have gone. Can I have your guess, please? Yeah, given that he was... I think starting or at least coming on in a Champions League final at the age of 18 and playing in a pretty weak league. I think he was a teenager still. I hope he was. Otherwise, this is going to be a horrible answer to go out with. I'm going to go with Patrick Clivert. Ooh, interesting. Patrick Clivert? He isn't. It's a swing and a miss, I'm afraid. Wow. No Patrick Clivert. Wow. That's a great guess. But it I does mean you lose that round, guess. Elio. I'm Googling this immediately because I refuse to accept I that. mean, you'll ruin the game if you do. But I don't care if I ruin what? the game. Who, I understand. Who's number, who, who, who got, who, how many goals did the number 10 person score? So I'll read the list out for Let's move on, shall we? I'll read the list from 10 up. So Cristiano Ronaldo was in with 36 really? 182. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't bad, was he? Let's be honest. Wow. 36, so 36 goals by the age of 21 for club and country. Apparently so. That's how yeah. many Cristiano Ronaldo scored. I mean, yeah. I, I'm not convinced this is accurate, in fairness to you, Elio, because I can't help feeling there must be some higher on there. All right. I'm on, I read I've the whole article to, to see the criteria. Patrick Clivert, this is according to Wikipedia, so maybe Wikipedia's <laughs> wrong. Born in 1976, so doesn't turn 21 until 1997. 97. Agreed. Um, so... By 1997, Agreed. Patrick Clivert, by the end of the 97 season, had 52 goals in just Eredivisie alone, and only eight mm-hmm. of those were in his football alone, and only eight of those were in his final season. He got 21 in his first season and 23 in his second season. If we're just <laughs> going by league goals, it was 18 yeah. and 15 in those two and six in the third. Patrick Clivert scored more by the age of 21 than Cristiano Ronaldo. So well... If- you can complain to Sport Bible then because their list is incomplete or they didn't specify their criteria. There's only one thing better than beating Elia <laughs> and that's beating Elia. Beating him by a dodgy VAR. really salty because it's a dodgy VAR. <laughs> in fairness, the minute you said Alan Shearer, I got thinking that he's probably going to be in here, isn't he? So no, if you're listening to Sport I, I, I Bible, so. 
You're making me look bad, all right? What, Shearer banging him, banging him in for Southampton? Well, he's yeah. got a hat-trick when he was 17, I think, so it's not that surprising. And uh, he wasn't bad himself, was he? Well, look, for whatever yeah, it's worth, which it turns out is jack shit. I contest this. The rest of the list. And you know what? I'm, I'm prepared to call this null and void because it probably is I disagree. Oh, I disagree. If, if Max Verstappen can win the F1 title <laughs> last year, then we can win that quiz. You know what? Fabinho... There are many hard. dodgy decisions last season against Max as there were four. Um, hey, oh God, Fabinho's different elbow. Nerve. Fabinho's <laughs> elbow wasn't VAR. After after nerve so this Adelia. isn't getting VAR'd either. Okay. Anyway, just <laughs> for, for completion's sake, well? for completion's sake, for whatever it's worth, the list I have in front of me, erroneous though it may be, goes Ronaldo up to Messi, Karim Benzema, sixty-two and one hundred and forty-three, Rooney, Owen, Sergio Aguero, eighty-four and in two hundred and thirteen, Kylian Mbappe, Erling Haaland. Surprised no one said him. One hundred and twenty-seven goals and one hundred and seventy-two appearances. Then Neymar with one hundred and forty. In 227 and then Ronaldo Nazario. You know, so, Mbappe aside, we had a massive lack of recency bias there, didn't we? Mm, yeah. We basically forgot about everybody who still plays football. Exactly, Despite the fact yeah. that far more goals are scored these days than they used to be mm. because defenders aren't allowed to defend anymore. It is interesting <laughs> that, you know, assuming right, the stats they have are at least accurate, that Messi and Ronaldo, considering what they turned into, are so much lower than Haaland. And, yeah, but they and started Mbappe. out as wingers and became forwards. Yeah, you can see how There are a couple of growers. <laughs> yeah. I I was putting down as a guest potentially Francesco Tartamite. Maybe the most goals yeah. after 40. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think if, if, that's if, next if week. Brooker if Brooker would have been here, he would have absolutely backed you on Totti. <laughs> as a fan, is he? Anyway, not let's not dwell on it. Right, we have one more question. This is the big showpiece of Challenge Elio. We end every game on this, and it's the Who Am I game. It will probably have mistakes. Claimers from now. I'm assuming that most of these clues are... In fact, I found a clue that I investigated and found to be completely and hilariously wrong, which I'll get onto later. I wish you'd anyway. done that just now with your list. <laughs> I don't have Patrick Clivert on it. No, I, I trusted the source looked official enough, even though they are one of many clickbaity, dodgy websites. On uh... But moving on to the Who Am I game, which, if you can't guess from the title, is a game where I will be describing a player who has played for Spurs or plays for Spurs with a series of clues, and the guys will take it in turns to try and guess who I'm talking about. And you I might think... nothing you say. You might think that... We'll need all the clues. We often don't. Elio's got one in two clues before, sometimes in three, but Dave does have a good record and Petros actually, if I'm not mistaken, won it the last time you were on. Is that not right? Well, let's see how this one goes. So... Have no, I ever like lost like, Challenge Elio without it's like it a triple a threat. Um, I could tell Whatever, you, but Elio, that would involve doing research and collecting the facts. So. Get over it, Elio. <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone ever won the league without a dodgy VAR decision? I mean, obviously, obviously that's true, but a dodgy referee decision. Anyway, I'm digging myself a deeper hole. Into the clues. First clue for Elio. I have played for two other London clubs. Care to hazard a guess? I know you do. William Gallas. It's not William Gallas. I scored 48 goals in all competitions for Tottenham. Now, you might not have done, but my source, <laughs> you might have heard of it. Wikipedia. It uh, wrote we, many of we, my essays at uni. I think that's right, Before Dave. Elio Googles it later. You think, you think you've got it? No, you I'm, guys I'm think not sure. You've got it. Maybe. I'm gonna, no, he, did, he didn't play for two other London clubs. He didn't play for two other I London clubs. I only played club. for one other London club. I love how you guys insist on guessing after the first two clues based on nothing. Well, I mean, well, what else are we going to do? Not guess? Pass? Why? Yeah, good point. Elio will get it. I've got a guess. Go on, Dave. Let's have it. Les Ferdinand. It's not Les Ferdinand. Next clue for you, Elio. I once scored the winner in a North London derby. Oh, that's a good clue. That is a good clue. It's quite a good clue. Maybe I'm feeling bad for him subconsciously after screwing him on the last quiz. Scored the winner in a North London derby. How many goals did you say he scored in all competitions for us? 48? 48. I won't tell you how many seasons that's over, but he scored 48. It was more than one season, I'll tell you that. I'm going to go with 
I think I referenced him earlier as well. I think he scored in a game where Bale scored two. I think we're going, and I think his was the winner because I think it was a two-one. I'm going to go with Aaron Lennon. It's not Aaron Lennon. Forty-eight goals for Spurs. He was with us for ten years. That sounds right to me. Um, no way. Next clue. I have won the English First Division. English First Division once the Premier League existed. So okay. what is now the Championship? I'm, 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 I'm going to go. I, I think that's the day. Yep. We've got a guess? Yeah, Darren Bent. It's good, but Won it's not the, the old one. England First Division. How old <laughs> yeah. do you think Darren he was Bent very is? Young. He was very no, young was... in those days. Wait, he, he should have been on that list. As in the, as in the championship. He would have definitely been on that list of 21-year-old goal scorers. Oh, sorry, we, missed, missed, we, we thought you meant the championship. No. Because no. he won it the was... championship. No, it was the first division when once the Premier League had been established. Yeah, but it was known as the first as Division One. Yeah, so, the first so it could have been Darren Bent then because he, I think he won it with Charles. Possibly. Wait, Possibly. so we're talking about the league below the Premier League now? Yeah. Yes. The second tier of English football. Okay. This okay, person fine. has won it. Well, I'll take that because otherwise I think you'd have probably given them another guess, given that you want them to win. <laughs> It's just corruption all around now, isn't it? All right, Leo, your next clue. I have scored a goal in the European Cup Winners' Cup. I mean, we're getting time frames here a little bit more as well. It's not a great clue, I'll be honest. Two other London clubs won the old first division before it was called the Championship. 48 goals for Tottenham. 48 European Cup Winners' Cup. I'm getting down to quite good clues now. Did he win the old first division before or after he was with us, whoever it is? I can't tell you that. I know you can't. That's going to be key here, though. Scored 48 for us, and it would have been some point in the 90s or early noughties at best. I'm at the point where I've got fun clues left, but I don't know if the fun clues are too revealing. But I want to say them. Do you feel my pain? No. Do you feel pain in general? He's a Leeds fan, of course he does. (laughs) I mean, you know whoever it is, Elio, you're going to jump straight on Wikipedia to check the goals and find out that it's wrong. Don't don't fixate on that. I'm trying to think if Crystal Palace were ever in the Cup I'm going to go with Chris Armstrong. Chris Armstrong. This player did not score for Crystal Palace in the Cup Winners' Cup. However, (laughs) this player is Chris Armstrong. Very good. He scored, apparently, with Wrexham, where he started and ended his career. Yeah, he scored for Wrexham. He ended ended up getting knocked out by Manchester United from the Cup Winners' Cup in his time at Wrexham as a youngster. He ended up retiring with them as well. He grew up in in Wales, I believe, having been born in Newcastle. Just reading off some of the other clues while we're here. Other clues were, I was the first ever Premier League player to receive a doping ban, testing positive for cannabis in March 1995. That would have given it away. Yeah, I thought it might have done. Which uh, is a strange one, because I can't really imagine cannabis being a performance-enhancing drug. Still, I guess. It's probably what, something they should keep an eye on. It's like a handicap, isn't it, really? I was eligible to play for England, Wales, Nigeria, and Republic of Ireland. Chose England, but didn't play. What alternative reality are we living in where <laughs> Chris Armstrong played for Wrexham against Man United in the Cup, in the Winners, Cup, Cup. Winners' Cup? I know. I, I was 100% well I was virtually 100% sure that no one would get it off the basis of that but I just wanted to throw it in there anyway uh, next clue and yet somehow anyway, I did by accident you did Elio I'm curious to know if you remember yeah, this yeah by, by banking on Palace being in the Cup Winners Cup <laughs> it's more when you said Palace I thought when you said Palace I thought that's where you were going to be honest um, Elio would you do you remember this David Ginola once bowed down to me on the pitch as I was being substituted do you remember I that I don't remember that no he had just scored a hat trick against Everton apparently and David Ginola got down on his knees and bowed down to him Bloody as he was coming hell. off the pitch which is hilarious and I think that was probably in Ginola's final season when Armstrong despite getting bundles of flack from our ever horrible fan base was actually scoring mm. for fun off the back of Ginola crosses the last clue in July 2021 I caused £2,000 worth of criminal damage and assaulted staff at a Tesco in Chelsea after staff had refused to let me buy cigarettes. Okay, that's definitely Chris Armstrong. <laughs> 
Yeah, sadly, sadly. I he's gone down a dark path. He's not had yeah. a great post football career, sadly. The so it, completely... it was, when, I was, when I was growing up, he's actually one of my favourite Spurs players. Well, I remember that actually, and I, I think that might have played a small part in me including it, just to give you a fighting chance. But you know, this is why you don't fighting get to come chance on the show. Chris Armstrong was one of your favourite players. <laughs> as, as a kid, as a kid, Darren Anderson he didn't was know my any better. Player. Okay, he didn't players know any who better. played for us around that time: Janola, Klinsman, Darren Anderson, Pepe. Yeah, Anderson was my favourite because I had him on my shirt. That's why I had him on my shirt. The number then, nine. The other clue I nearly put in, and I, I it was too ridiculous. I just had to follow up on it to see if it was true. This is actually on his Wikipedia. You can go and look at this now. Just with no other context, just a standalone sentence in his personal life. His brother is retired astronaut Chris Hadfield. It's not. It just isn't. I mean, he's got a completely different name, and that was my first clue. I was like, if they said Neil Armstrong, I would have been equally uh, skeptical. <laughs> His brother is not an astronaut, sadly, as hilarious as that would have been, but that would have naturally been one of my clues. I would have been up there with Jürgen Klinsmann piloting helicopters. Anyway, the important thing is that despite the injustice with Patrick <laughs> Clivert, I still came out on top. Exactly. And that's what the best teams do, you know? Even with the refereeing decisions going against them, you just got to take in the chin, move on, and get the job done. And that was a job very well done, Elliot another win and you've just further proved why the other team need the help that I give them and why you need to be handicapped and I imagine it will be exactly the same story next week and for the rest of the season it's probably worth mentioning at this point that we have talked about the possibility of Elio taking over challenge Elio next season in an experimental phase to see how that goes so Elio might actually I mean, I be retiring time. as champion and asking all of us some questions so uh, let us know if you think that'll be a good idea because I'm quite curious to see how that goes I think we did it once and it was pretty good fun so yeah we've got that I enjoyed it forward to next season uh right well guys Elio's one challenge Elio Spurs are fighting with Arsenal for fourth it's just the same old all over again isn't it anything to wrap things up with any final thoughts on Liverpool game on the Arsenal game on Spurs or on my sources well you researched your sources better than Jurgen Klopp researched how he won his first Champions League title so <laughs> well done very good oh and Human Son has got a FIFA team of the season card with a 95 rating so well done to Human Son that's uh, just and another where's the trophy dust off the cabinet brilliant well look that's more than enough as always thank you you three for joining me so each you've had uh, a full episode how have you found things today have you enjoyed yourself despite not winning oh yeah i mean it's it's been great to hang out with dave <laughs> as it always is you don't have to tell us fantastic well to everyone listening thanks once again for tuning in i hope you're with us again next week and please get in touch at plus day podcast on twitter and let us know your thoughts and uh hopefully next week we will still have something worth talking about we'll be very happy and we'll be thinking about possibly nicking that fourth place off arsenal but until then stay classy spurs fans and we'll see you next week Here's